Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome into this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and I'm delighted to bring you the next episode in our series where we're looking at the history, the legends and the quirks of every La Liga club. This time we're telling the story of Deportivo Alaves. Before we get truly stuck into their story, let's listen to some commentary clips of a few of their greatest moments. Final, final en Mendizorroza. Tras 10 años de travesía del desierto, hoy domingo 29 de mayo de 2016. A las 10 menos 11 minutos, el Deportivo a la vez certifica de nuevo su retorno a la primera división. Y termina el partido. So, we heard the sound there of Alaves playing in a UEFA Cup final, and there will be many more details about that shortly. Also, the commentary from their most recent promotion into Spain's top flight, and from the night they reached the one and only Copa del Rey final in their history. It's time now to hear about how this club came into existence and what they've achieved. We'll do so with Paco Pollitt, who's coming up after we have a listen to the club hymn. Deportivo Alaves is a club from the city of Vitoria Gasteiz, the capital of the Basque country. It's a club that recently celebrated its centenary as it was founded on January 23rd, 1921. That was the date when its predecessor, called Sport Friends Club, became Deportivo Alaves. Many clubs at the time had names in English, but the local media were delighted when a Spanish name was chosen, with Deportivo meaning sporting and with Alaves meaning something from Alaba, the Basque province where Vitoria Gasteiz is located. After starting life out in the regional leagues, Alaves were invited to take part in the second division when the national league system was created in Spain in 1929. They were actually top of the table for most of the season, but ultimately finished third that year and missed out on promotion. The next year, though, they managed to stay top of the table at the end of the final match day and secured their first promotion into Spanish football's top division. 
Unsurprisingly, Alaves struggled a lot more in this higher category, but they managed to stay up there for three seasons before eventually being relegated. This provoked a series of financial struggles and the club almost went out of existence. Although they played in the Torneo Nacional de Football held just after the Civil War, and reached the semi-finals, they later fell to the third tier of Spanish football, suffering throughout the 1940s but ultimately managing to stay in business. One of the positives for Alaves was that they had a good stadium. Their cozy ground of Mendizorroza was inaugurated in 1924, which actually makes it the third oldest ground in use in professional Spanish football nowadays. Only El Molinón and Mestalla are older. And the good times returned to Mendizorroza in the 1950s when promotion back to the second tier was achieved in 1951 and when an eventual return to the top tier was accomplished in 1954 after the Basque side finished top of the segunda. Despite signing talents like Eguzquiza, Aitor, Urbulu, Acelay and Erdocía, Alaves's stay only lasted two years and they were back down to Segunda. They didn't know it at the time, but it would take several decades to return. Between 1957 and 1970, Alaves fluctuated between the second and third tiers, but disaster struck in 1970. Even though Alaves hired the legendary Hungarian striker Ferenc Puskas as the coach, he didn't prove to be quite so successful in the dugout as he had been earlier in the penalty box because Alaves were relegated in the 1969-1970 season from the third tier down to the regional divisions. They only stayed down there for one year and by 1974 they were back in the second division, ready for a nine-year stay. In 1981-1982, Alaves got lucky. They were inside the relegation zone on the final day of the season, but Burgos's financial problems saw them demoted and Alaves spared. But the next year they weren't so fortunate and again finished inside the bottom four, falling down to the new Segunda División B category. Despite finishing fifth in their group in the 1985-86 season, this time it was Alaves who suffered a demotion because of financial reasons. Failure to pay players saw the Basque side sunk down to the fourth tier and they spent four years there in the Spanish footballing wilderness. There was a turning point in 1989. There had to be. A new ownership group came in and Juan Arregigaray was the new president. Unlike his predecessors, he was actually ready to stick around for a while. And unlike his predecessors, he was determined to bring the good times back to Mendizorroza. After promotion from the 4th to 3rd tier was achieved in the 1989-90 season, Alaves kept looking upwards. They sought promotion each season and for five years in a row, they made it to the promotion playoffs. But they kept banging their heads on that playoff ceiling. Eventually though, in 1995, they finally made it. Alaves were back into the second division. Several foreign players were signed by Alaves' new ownership group as they tried to consolidate their place in the second tier and eventually make another push towards Primera. After finishing 7th in 1996 and 13th in 1997, Alaves put together a superb season in the 1997-98. With the coaching of the legendary José Manuel Esnal Mané, Alaves achieved 82 points and won promotion as Segunda champions. This was a record points tally at the time, an absolutely glorious one, you could say, given that one of Alaves' nicknames is El Glorioso. Not only did they do well in the league, but Alaves also reached the semi-finals of that year's Copa del Rey, knocking out Real Madrid on away goals along the way. 
This, remember, was a Real Madrid side that won that year's Champions League. The relationship between Mané and Alaves wasn't done yet. He stayed on to lead them into their return to Primera, and that's when things started to get really, really wild. Alaves' start to the 21st century really was special. So let's get straight to it, with Roman de Arker picking up the narration. 2001 was probably one of the best seasons in the history of Deportivo Alaves. For the first time since their foundation, they reached a European final, partly thanks to their impressive offensive capabilities. In every single round of the UEFA Cup, they scored at least four goals between both legs, with a special mention to the 5-3 win on aggregate against Inter de Milan in the round of 16, and the 9-2 thrashing on aggregate against Kaiserslautern in the semi-final. But the most stunning game was definitely the grand finale against Liverpool, which was played in Borussia Dortmund's Westfalen Stadium. Alaves became the first team to reach a UEFA final in their debut and were so, so close to glory. Liverpool were comfortably leading 3-1 at half-time, but in the second half, Alaves' top goalscorer of the season, Javi Moreno, put two goals past Westerveld in three minutes to make it 3-0. Liverpool then went ahead thanks to Robbie Fowler and were a few minutes away from victory when Jordi Cruyff headed in a corner kick in the 89th minute, taking the game to extra time, which would be decided by a golden goal. Although Alaves crumbled to pieces in extra time after two sending-offs from Magno and team captain Carmona. Shortly after the second red card, it came to an end for them after Delphi Gelli's own goal in the 117th minute gave Liverpool the title. It was heartbreaking for Alaves, but they left behind what some consider one of the best European finals ever. They also became the team to score more goals in one single UEFA Cup season with 36. They would play in the UEFA Cup once again in the 2002-2003 season. But despite a great start with a 5-1 win on aggregate over Turkish side Ankaragücü in the first round, they then faced another Turkish team, Besiktas, but this time lost 2-1 between both legs. Eliminated from the European competitions, they could now focus on the Spanish league. But it all went downhill for them. An unrecognizable Alaves finished the season 19th and returned to Segunda División. The next year, with Pepe Mel on the bench, they were extremely close to returning to the top tier, but just missing out by two points behind Numancia and Getafe, who were second and third. They also achieved a phenomenal Copa del Rey run, reaching the semi-final, but an away goal from Zaragoza and the 1-1 result from the first leg was enough to end their dream. The following year, in 2004, the always controversial Dimitri Peterman became the new owner of the club. In fact, it started really well as the objective of getting promoted was achieved that same season. But the excitement wouldn't last for long, as they were immediately relegated despite winning in the last match day and falling by a one-point difference. From there on, Alaves would experience its darkest years of the 21st century. Peterman would finally leave in 2007 after a very poor season in Segunda, just avoiding relegation. He was in constant quarrels with the players, was extremely hated by the fans and left a debt of around 23 million euros. Despite the good news of his departure, the club didn't get back on its feet and kept struggling until they dropped to Segunda B, Spain's third division where they would remain until 2013. From there on, they kept improving, and in three years' time, they went on to win the title in Segunda División, finally returning to La Liga. And what a comeback it was for them, completing their best season up to date since returning. They finished in a comfortable ninth spot, and they even reached the Copa del Rey final for the first time in their 96 years of history. 
They didn't have the toughest of matchups in the knockout stages, eliminating Nastic de Tarragona, Deportivo de la Coruña, Alcorcón, and Celta de Vigo, but they did meet Barcelona in the final, where they lost by three goals to one. In 2021, Alaves celebrated their 100 years of history as a La Liga team. In fact, they played against Real Madrid in the exact date of their foundation, the 23rd of January. It was a harsh 4-1 defeat at home, even though they'd beaten Los Blancos 2-1 in the previous matchup of that season. But the worst part was not the loss, but the fact that the fans weren't allowed to join the celebration of their 100 years due to the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So that was the recent history of Alaves. We've heard several legends mentioned there, and we're now going to hear more detail about some of the club's icons. We've got Andrew Miller now who's going to discuss three figures he has selected as Alaves' all-time legends. So, over to you, Andrew. You can't possibly talk about Deportivo Alaves legends without mentioning hometown hero and current club captain, Manu Garcia. A constant in Vitoria Gasteiz's side's rise from Segunda Bay, Spain's third division, all the way through Segunda and eventually into Primera in 2016. Garcia started out his career in Real Sociedad's famous Zubieta Academy, and made over 100 appearances for the B team before making a move to fellow Basque club Abar in 2008, where he was initially loaned out to Real Union in Segunda Bay, playing a key role in helping the club achieve promotion back into the second tier. Fast forward to 2012, and Garcia finally got the call to join the club he'd grown up supporting as a child in the local area, Deportivo Alaves. It didn't take long for the Basque midfielder to make a real impact on the club and its fan base as well. It was evident from day one that Garcia truly embodied and represented the club's values and philosophies, to the delight of the fans at Mendizorosa, of course. Having once again been a key figure in securing promotion, Garcia led Alaves back into Segunda, where they'd spend just three seasons before climbing the ladder into the promised land, the top tier of the Spanish football pyramid. And the rest, as they say, is history. Another man who's been right there with the club through the tough times is centre-back Victor Laguardia, who alongside his current club captain, Manu Garcia, was crucial in raising the club back into La Liga in 2016. As one of the true leaders within this team, LaGuardia initially joined from Real Zaragoza, where he progressed through their youth academy and became a first-team fixture after loan moves to Las Palmas and Alcorcón, who were both plying their trade in the notoriously difficult Segunda division at the time. LaGuardia is one of the prototypical hard men of La Liga, and a lot of that comes from his painful injury history from earlier in his career. He's often talked about how it played a huge part in making him the player he is today, and it's given him a real edge and toughness that seems to resonate well with the Alaves faithful. A brutal knee injury curtailed the end of LaGuardia's first season and kept him out for half of the following campaign as well, missing a total of nine months before resuming his rightful place at the heart of then-manager Abelardo's defensive line. Since then, LaGuardia's been a mainstay in the starting eleven and has gone on to make over 220 appearances for Alaves. There aren't many coaches who've left a lasting impression on a club like that of Jose Manuel Esnalpardo, or Manny, as you'll probably know him. After managing Alaves for a short time in the 80s whilst the club were, play, were playing in Segunda Bay, 
Manny returned to take the reins in July 1997 and stamped their ticket back into Primera. The early successes didn't stop there, however. Manny boosted Alaves into the semi-final of the Copa del Rey, taking down both Real Madrid and Deportivo La Coruña in the process, before eventually being knocked out by Real Mallorca. After narrowly avoiding a relegation dogfight in the following season, Manny knew he had to make some drastic changes to ensure the club maintained its status in the top flight, and by the end of the 1999-2000 season, he had done just that. An historic sixth-place finish meant there would be European football played under the bright lights of Mendy Therosa, with Alaves qualifying for the then-named UEFA Cup and keeping the best defensive record in the league that season. A new millennium brought new highs for Alaves under Manny. In their first UEFA Cup campaign, the Basque club came out of the gates running, but this time they didn't stop running until they reached the final of the competition, where they eventually fell an extra time to a Liverpool side filled with Premier League legends in the making. The following season once again saw Manny lead Alaves into European competition, but the highs of the previous season's final had begun to wear off, and the club were eventually ousted by Besiktas before they could even get themselves fully going. Things came to a drastic halt in April 2003. The seemingly inevitable separation between the two parties happened, where Manny and Alaves decided to go in different directions, resulting in the subsequent relegation back into Segunda that summer, ending the most successful five-year period the club has ever known. But Manny's legacy will continue to live on forever. That was Andrew's selection of Alave's legends there. And now we're going to hear about Mendy Sarosa and the matchday experience because the fans are legendary too. We've got Alave's fan and long-time Victoria Gasteiz resident Rob Hextel now to tell us what an Alave's home game is all about. The evolution of the matchday experience at Alave's games was summed up in a simple but precise manner when Mauricio Pellegrino took charge of his first game as Alaves coach after a boring 0-0 draw against Sporting, he commented that the atmosphere was amazing, very different from what I remember 10 years ago. The former defender had played at the club 10 years earlier in the 2006-2007 relegation season under Dimitri Peterman, not exactly a high point in fan club relations. A lot of things have changed since then. We'll get the ball rolling with a pre-match drink with friends in Calle Cuchilleria, known locally as La Cuchi, followed by lunch in the same place. La Cuchi is one of those legendary streets that in just a kilometre or so crams in nearly 40 bars and restaurants. You can imagine the atmosphere, especially on derby days, the colour, the banter, as an already narrow street gets tighter and tighter as everyone hangs around outside the bars and sits down munching on the terraces. Then the street, and the old part of gas station in general, slowly empties out as the walk down to the ground begins. By now, with thousands more people converging from the other routes down to the ground, we finally get to Mendizorotha itself. Still sitting proud in its original location, 97 years later. It's the third oldest ground in Spanish professional football. One thing I notice as a Brit is that once you're at the ground, there's a complete absence of fast food joints. But of course, <laughs> this is the Basque country, where cooking and eating is basically a religion. No hot dogs around here. You'll see, however, plenty of people with carrier bags where they have stashed their bocadillos and pipas. You can't beat a good potato omelette baguette at half-time, can you? As it's a relatively small ground with a capacity of just under 20,000, you are in and out in a jiffy. No tunnels or lengthy flights of stairs. It's through the turnstile... Up half a flight of stairs, and there you are, in, in the middle of your stand, breathing in the atmosphere, 
perhaps the cold air of the Basque winter and enjoying the view. Mendy is old style. The stands are right up against the sidelines and I remember watching the Galacticos play there years ago and from my nearly front row seat I was literally a few feet away from David Beckham as he took the corners in the second half. The corners were filled in at the end of last century but the budget didn't run to getting rid of the columns and you can still have a restricted view and do that traditional swaying left and right to be able to follow the game. There's a boxy feel to Mendy. Maybe it's a bit shinier nowadays, as all La Liga stadiums have to follow strict rules of presentation and colour coordination to maximise on-screen glamour for the global TV viewers. But beyond the reach of the camera's eye, it can still be a bit grubby in places, and the toilets, quite frankly, are rubbish. <laughs> Need sorting out. And once you've taken your seat, this is when the Iralcha 1921 experience kicks in. There are few stadiums that can match the constant, and I mean constant, 90-minute long singing and chanting. Iralcha 1921 is the main Alaves Peña. When Basconia took over the club in 2013, they leaned on their decades-long experience in top-level basketball to create a much better matchday experience for the paying fan. They set about building a closer relationship with all the diverse supporters groups and united them into one large Grada de Animación behind one of the goals. This, in an unofficial but very emphatic and real way, brought standing back to the matchday experience. And fans that stand are louder, more active and importantly feel a togetherness and a group identity that had pretty much disappeared from most grounds with the introduction of all-seater stadiums. The chanting and the singing and the music and the noise were back. And in boxy old Mendy, it sounds great and it's contagious. They make the most routine games, where the football can be pretty damn dull at times, absolutely come to life. Official figures from the 2018 season showed that average matchday attendance was 93%. That, that was the highest in the league. And when it dropped a little the following season to 87%, it was still significantly the highest in the league. I've never seen banners and TIFOs like the ones Iralcha produced before games. From ground level right up to the roof, they hoist them up, completely covering the polideportivo end. They are always making their point, depending on the game or a significant social event. So, now you've heard about it, when you get the chance, go and experience it. You won't regret it. I 100% agree with Rob there. You will not regret going to check out a match at Alaves. It really is something special. As we've heard throughout this episode, this club really is something special. So, my thanks go out to Paco Pollitt, Roman de Arker, Andrew Miller and Rob Hextel for helping to tell this story. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and we are La Liga Lowdown. We have many more episodes available and you can always find our latest content by looking us up on social media or on our website. For now though, thanks for listening to this one.